Welcome to Cape Christian. I'm Pastor Cindy, and I'm so excited that you are joining us today. Now, we are created to connect, and I want to invite you to get in on the conversation by creating a nickname and joining us in the chat. Click on the button to my left to get started, and if you're on your phone, turn it sideways to see the chat window. If you need prayer at any time during our service, we have team members who are ready and waiting to pray with you. All you have to do is click the live prayer button. As we go into a time of worship, I want you to get ready for the Spirit of God to meet you where you are. As we worship and pray, God will fill you with His peace as we celebrate His presence. So stand up, shake out your shoulders, shut the world out, and worship with us. I'm pressing on with my back to the past.
There's a place for me I'm a child of God Yes, I am Yes, I am Thank you, worship team, for that amazing time of worship. Now, if this is your first or second time joining us online, we would love to get a chance to get to know you and give you an opportunity to get to know us. To do so, all you need to do is click our digital connect card below. Now is the time we give our tithes and offerings. Did you know that our team has been caring for our community during this crisis by delivering care and food boxes, making care calls, and delivering Krispy Kreme donuts to our first responders and healthcare workers? And just last week, our student ministry team placed 400 We Miss You signs in the front yards of our teenagers' homes with a special personalized letter of encouragement to each one of them. The church is still the church. And it's because of your generosity that we are able to do this and so much more. There's a give link at the top of the screen and you can click the banner below. Every gift you give is being used to help encourage people in all walks of life. Thank you for your faithfulness and partnership with us, whether you're close by or across the world. Ladies, I wanna let you know about a very special online event that we have planned just for you and all your friends. We are doing Ladies Night In on May 8th at 7 p.m. Since we can't go out together, we are bringing the party to you. We are gonna be giving out prizes, having lots of fun. I have a powerful message of hope for you, and we have a special time with all of our pastor's wives. Registration is open right now, and this is a free event. So sign up today by clicking the link below. Being connected in community is vital during this time of isolation and social distancing. If you've never been a part of a small group or it's been a while, I have an opportunity for you to get connected. Online signups for our summer virtual group session will be open on May 16th. Go to the groups tab on our website to get all the details and begin praying about which group you need to join. Now get ready for God to do something in your life as Pastor Corey shares part two of our Mastermind series. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to week two of Mastermind. Mastermind is a, a mini series where we have an opportunity each week to look at one idea or one topic and possibly allow God to help us to think differently or shape our perspective. The idea came from the Greek word repent, which means to change what we think. And psychology has shown us that if we can change what we think, that dictates how we feel, which dictates how we act or behave. And so if we wanna change a lifestyle or a behavior or an action, we actually need to think differently. So. For some of us, it might be learning something new. For some of us, it might be unlearning some things that we previously thought differently about. Now, before we get into this, I just wanna be really transparent. As I've been preparing for this for the last couple of weeks, I've just been really burdened in a good way that, that this is something that God really wants to speak to our heart. And I believe that, that God may be really doing some deep-rooted stuff in, in anybody who ever sees or hears this message, especially in this time. And so rather than try to cram it all into one message, I'm gonna make this a two-part message. So we're gonna do part one this week, and then next week we're gonna finish. Same topic, but, but I wanna really not just uh, give a little bit of scripture or scratch the surface, but I wanna dive deeper. And so we got two weeks of this. And, and the reason why is because of what's going on around us. There's a natural phenomenon happening right now. And as I mentioned, I've been burdened since actually this coronavirus shutdown really began that God is really wanting us to examine our lives. If I could put it, probably one category uh, or one topic or one conversation, it would, be, it would be the one that I wanna have these next couple of weeks. I've said it several times, but I think that one of the things that God is doing right now in this time, in the midst of this, is he is exposing some things that had we, not, had we just carried on with life as we've known it or business as usual, we never would have taken any time to look at or pay attention to or evaluate. And so because of the situation going on in our country right now, we are being forced to really live differently and look at some things. And I think in many ways, and really we may just be scratching the surface of this, we have, I believe, a divine opportunity to change before we have to. I've referred to this season as a holy pause, 
And I really believe that's what it is. I'm not saying that God caused this, but I do believe that he is using it if we will allow him. And while uh, I think aside from the, the health part of this worldwide shutdown, what is making this very difficult for us is that one of our great weaknesses as a culture and a society, one of our great contributors to so many of all of our problems is being exposed in this time. And again, I'll say it, I believe that we have the opportunity to maybe change before we have to. And it's being exposed because we are on pause. We can't do much, we can't go, we can't do, we can't build, we can't race, we can't produce, we can't achieve, we can't increase, we can't stretch, we can't add one more event to our already busy calendar, and we are forced to slow down and stop many things. So what if, what if, this is a providential opportunity for, uh, from God for us to re-examine a way of living that we have perhaps not thought to question or look at? What if we can change before we have to? What if God is actually saving us before we crash? Let's pray and see what the word of God has to say to us in this time. God, I, I've been just burdened with the weight of this in my soul, not, not bad, but in a heavy sense that you really, really, really want your word and your truth to land on the hearers and land on this church, land on this country. And so God, if, if this message needs to go forth, just use me in whatever way. God, this isn't about me. Um, uh, move me out of the way. But Holy Spirit, we give you permission uh, to speak to us through the screen, through our TV, in real time, later on, even if it's kind of on in the background, God, would you get our attention and speak to us through this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I wanna start with a scripture that is, is one of my fundamental scriptures for my, my life, and uh, I, I call it a type of living. And, and we see in, in the book of John, who is one of Jesus' disciples, we see this type of living that Jesus came to model and to live for and to die for and to sacrifice for so that we could experience. And, and there's so much in this scripture. And so there is a life that Jesus wants us to live and experience. And he captures it in John 10, 10. I wanna read it actually out of the New King, New King James Version, which we don't use a whole lot here, but I love the way it's rendered. Uh, and, and I think for many of us, it's, it's a familiar pattern. And so John 10, 10, Jesus says this about the type of life he wants us to live. He says, the thief comes not, uh, does, uh, the, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came to give us life and life abundantly. Some, ver some versions say to the full measure. Some say to the full. Jesus wants to give us abundant life. Now, the difference is, I think, Often, and I can't help but wonder, that our definition of abundant is perhaps different than Jesus's definition of abundant. See, the reality is the world, the society that we live in, our culture values faster more than slower. It values more, more than it values less. We live in a whole world that says more is better. More money, the more busyness, the more business, the more activities, the more programs, the more side hustles you have, the more things you can do, it is better. And in fact, I believe without knowing it, many of us have been shaped, this is why we're talking about mastermind, by what I would call a couple of great American myths. These are my own, I, I've kind of coined these, but a couple of great myths that I believe permeate our culture, whether they're said out loud or not. And one is this, if I work hard enough, I will get everything I want. If I work harder, I will get everything I want. And there's another one that's similar to that. Another great American myth, I think, is that the busier I am, then the more productive or the more successful I must be. The busier I am or the more productive I am, I must be just so successful. And here's what's so fascinating about this time to me. And it's what I feel like God has just let me see from his perspective a, a little bit, that now that everything is slower, now that everything is less, now that everything is on pause, because of those great American myths, many of us feel like our purpose is less. We talked about that last week. We feel that maybe we have less worth that we provide, that our value is less because we can't produce, we can't be successful, and therefore our worth and our value are in question because maybe perhaps some of us have put that into the wrong thing. And here's the reality. We 
are restless. We are restless. Some of us are going crazy. But I want to ask a simple question. And we're, and we're going to bring this to life today. And here's my question. Is the current pace of our lives, is the current pace of our lives one that Jesus taught, one that Jesus modeled, or one that Jesus would recommend? Now, I know many of you are distracted because I just got on a treadmill and you're like, oh God, my pastor just got on a treadmill. I could just imagine how this is going to go. But, but I want to leave an image that will stick with you for a long time. Because I believe Jesus wants to speak to us about the pace and the rhythms of our lives. And so I'm going to ask that question again. Is the current pace of my life one that Jesus taught, one that Jesus modeled, or one that Jesus would recommend? Does our life, does your life have any sense of rhythm to it? And if so, does it actually follow Jesus's rhythm? Let me ask you a different question. Let me ask you this question a different way. Is the pace of my life draining the peace in my life? Is the pace of my life draining the peace in my life? Now, if you're here, if you've stuck with us this long in, the, in this uh, message or in this uh, series, if you're still watching, you're here for one of a couple reasons. You're either here because you're curious about God. Uh, somebody said you should check out our church. Um, you're looking for hope. You're looking for help or you are committed to following God and you're probably really busy. So you're either checking it out and you're curious or you're committed to God, but you're really busy. And the number one reason that committed people don't get more involved with, with godly activities, with the church, with small groups, with serving on a team, with foster care, with serving your community, with feeding the homeless or the poor or serving on a care team, the number one reason is because we are too busy. And it, 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 any, any good thing that we could or should be doing is not because we don't value it, not because Jesus didn't teach it, but we are too busy. Our pace is so fast. And here's the reality. We just don't have margins. We're gonna talk a little bit more about this next week. But we don't have much margin in our time. We don't have physical margin. We don't have financial margin. We really, many of us, if we were to be really honest, as I mentioned, I think there's an opportunity for us to look and examine. We don't have really any margin to do anything other than what we are currently already doing. And so every time a good opportunity comes up, whether it's for our kids, our family, our community, we either can't do it because we're too busy or we say yes to one more thing without saying no to something else. We add one more thing to the plate without taking something else off. And here's the reality. There's no guilt. There's no shame in this. Because the things that you are busy doing, most of us, they're good things. You're, most of us are not foolishly using our time. It's you're busy uh, developing and cultivating your marriage or you have kids and you're schooling them and you're getting them to their activities and you're developing their mind and you're developing their skills and you're developing their future. Your job has you working a lot and you got extra stuff because you wanna move the ball forward or maybe it's your business or maybe you're serving your boss. The things that many of us are doing are mostly good things. But I wanna talk to you about something that is so fascinating. I learned this this week. If you go too hard, too fast, for too long, you are in danger of contracting what's called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. Type that in, the, uh, say it out loud, type it in hurry sickness. I couldn't believe that this is a real thing. Hurry sickness. Now, I know it sounds like something that I probably made up. It definitely sounds like something that Corey would make up. Um, but it isn't. It is actually a real, go Google it. It's fascinating. You'll find all kinds of stuff. It is an actual medical term and it is a real sickness. It was discovered and coined by an actual cardiologist, uh, a heart doctor, Dr. Meyer Friedman, uh, Friedman and, uh, and somebody else if you look it up, but Dr. Meyer Friedman. And he describes hurry sickness this way. And I just want us to sit in this for a minute. Hurry sickness is a contagious struggle an unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things in less and less time. A contagious, I'm sorry, a continuous, unremitting attempt to accomplish more and more in less and less time. 
It is an actual diagnosable by a cardiologist thing that people with hurry sickness, they think fast, they talk fast, they act fast, they multitask, they rush against the clock feeling any pressure to get things done. And, and when you have it, you get flustered by any sign of a problem. Now, I don't know what it's like listening to me behind the screen, but I know my people well enough to know that if I were standing in front of a live audience and said, they think fast, act fast, and talk fast, I wouldn't be able to go any further because you'd all be laughing at the irony that, that I am saying that. So we all preaching to ourselves today, all right? Like we're just Jesus talking to everybody. Uh, but that's what they do. And, and, and what's fascinating about this, we're gonna talk about this a little bit in a second, is this idea that, uh, that um, what did I just say? That when you have this, that even the littlest bit of struggle or, or uh, any sign, you get really flustered by any sign of a problem. Which by the way, think fast, act fast, get more done. Isn't that like the definition of every sales pitch of technology now? Like, hey, you can do more, you can get more done. You want to create more margin, get more done, be more successful, be more, like that is every sales pitch. Here's what's fascinating about Dr. Friedman and hurry sickness. This was diagnosed and became a thing in the mid 1950s. In the 1950s, in the 1950s, people in our culture were living in too fast of a pace. There was too much technology. There was too much going on in the 1950s, and this was diagnosed. How much has our world changed in, 20, in 70 years since then? This was before the internet. This was before phones. This was before emails. This was before emails could go on your phone so you could take work with you everywhere you go, and vacation wasn't vacation, and Sabbath wasn't Sabbath. And I want to talk about this because I just believe that God wants to just literally go, stop. I want to talk to you about this because I believe that if you're willing to be honest with yourself, you would agree with this statement that most of our problems that we're experiencing, maybe not all of them, but the majority of them, most of our problems are either caused or made worse because we are going too fast for too long. Most of our problems are either caused or at least accentuated because we are going too fast for too long. Think about in your marriage. You, you've lost your friendship. There's, there's intimacy. You want to you wanna be kind to one another. Uh, marriage requires intimacy and friendship and kindness and a lifelong friendship and commitment. But, but how many of us, like our marriage looks like we're just running past each other in a perpetual state of chaos and, and it's like, I'm going by you and you're going by me and and, 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 you know, for me, I, we've experienced this. You know, Rebecca and I are just coming up on 15 years. And, and, and here's what uh, uh, um, I've learned, and I would say that this is true in our marriage, and I'm sure it's true for you, is that most of the problem in our marriage come up when we go too long without having what I would call an unhurried conversation. Most of the problems in our marriage, most of the problems in Corey and Rebecca's marriage happen when we go too long without having an unhurried conversation. And I want to just give a disclaimer, because... I don't know that this has ever happened in my marriage in 15 years because Rebecca was hurried or Rebecca didn't prioritize it. I'm just telling on myself, she's usually the one like, when are we gonna talk? When can we talk about this? And I'm like, yeah, 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 we'll get to it. I'm doing really important things. And they're good things. But I would say that that's true for many of us. And here's what we learn about, if you've been married for very long, here's what we know about intimacy. Intimacy happens when you have regular, consistent, and unhurried conversations with one another. When was the last time, if you're married or you're in a relationship, when was the last time you had a regular, consistent, when was the last time you had an unhurried conversation? Many of us, even our idea of a date night is not really a date night anymore. It has turned into a management meeting. It's, okay, we got two hours. What are you gonna order? Uh, Tuesday night, we got the kids. Can you take him to soccer? Because I gotta take them to this. And then what about Thursday? We have that thing. Don't forget, we gotta go to the benefit and the thing. And uh, oh, also, um, have you looked at the budget because the kids' classes are coming up? We need to pay for it. It's like, hey, time's up. We gotta go home. How many of our date nights have started to look like management meetings? And so uh, when we go for too fast or too long, it accentuates our problems in our marriage. Uh, secondly, it accentuates our problems with money. We get in a hurry. We don't do our due diligence. We didn't do our research. We made a decision when we were tired. In fact, I don't know if this is so fascinating, but market research has shown that there is one particular hour in each day that people are most prone to making impulsive, unwise, and rushed decisions, especially online with their money. Guess when that is? 9 to 10 p.m. 9 to 10 p.m., marketers go crazy because for men and women, for different things, they know that that's when we're gonna make impulsive, unwise, rushed decisions. Why? Because it's at the end of a too fast for too long day, week, month, year lifestyle. And so it's causing us 
problems with our marriages. It can cause us problems with our money. It also can cause problems in our relationships. We know that we need each other. We need friends. Men, we need friends. Women, we need friends. We are best when we have three different types of friendships. If you're a guy, we need fathers, we need brothers, and we need sons. If you're a, a, a lady, you need mothers, you need sisters, and you need daughters. What does that mean? You need people pouring into you, you need friends, and you need people that you can invest into. And, and these, we need a balance of these to be whole. Uh, again, God teaches this, psychology shows us this. But what does it require to have those relationships? Time. How are we gonna find time when I work and I'm married and I have kids and I gotta work out at least once a month or hopefully once a week or whatever the case may be. And so we leave these lonely, isolated lives because we don't have time for these relationships. And then with that loneliness and that isolation, that is the devil's playground, which we don't really talk about. Almost never anything good comes from loneliness and isolation. And that's where our vices come in and our escapists and all these things. In fact, um, I wanna give you seven warning signs that you perhaps or probably have hurry sickness. I'm just gonna go through these really quick. Seven warning signs that you probably have a hurry sickness. Number one, irritability. Things that actually aren't that big of a deal are a big deal. Number two, warning sign, restlessness. You can't calm your, or, or quiet your mind or your soul. Um, you've been going so hard for so long, you can't calm yourself. You're tired, you can't fall asleep. Your mind is just racing, restlessness. Number three, workaholism. Your work is just never done. One more text, one more email, one more thing. I have to go in on my day off to get one more thing done. Number four, again, these are seven warning signs that you might have hurry sickness. Number four, emotional numbness. You don't experience any highs or any lows. You're just so depleted, you feel nothing and you have nothing left. Number five, neglect of health. We are so busy, so stretched, and the first thing we do is neglect our own physical health. And then we combat our overtiredness, not with working out or sleeping more, but just with caffeine, so we can just go and we can produce and get one more thing done. Number six, again, warning signs, you might have hurry sickness. Number six, escapist behaviors. This is when it starts to get a little more dangerous. You try to unwind, but you do it in healthy ways that gives you some happiness for five minutes, but they leave you even more depleted, and the consequences are often more greater, and, and that's a whole nother conversation. Number seven, signs you might have hurry sickness is uh, slippage of spiritual practices. The very things that we know that will refresh and refill our souls, we're too tired or too busy to even do. Now, I just gave you seven things. We put them on the screen. I don't know how many of you would be honest enough to say, man, at least three of those apply to me. Maybe you would say, gosh, I'm at least five. Five of those would be me. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're like me, you got a perfect score. Seven out of seven. All of those I've, I've experienced or, or am experiencing some at one time. The reason I bring this up is because there's not shame, you're not alone. And so I just wanna talk real quick. What are the two reasons why we stay busy? Because I wanna get, get to the heart of where this comes from. And then, and then, and then next week, we're gonna talk even about more some of the, the things that God would say and, and some practical things we can do. But two reasons why we stay busy. Number one, if we are busy, we feel important. I think this is so true. A lot of our worth, a lot of our value is found in how busy we are. The more things I have going on, the more stuff I'm doing, the more important I feel we have made our intrinsic value, our intrinsic worth, not in who God says we are, not in being his, but what we produce, what we can do. And if you were, uh, and, and just, to, just to, to kind of give you an example, if you were to ask someone, hey, like, how are you doing? Or, hey, what do you have planned this week? Like, what, what you got going on this week? What's this week looking like? How are you doing? No one has ever said, you know what? I just have a lot of time to linger. I just, I have a few things going on, but I have so much chill time in my hands. I actually have a good amount of, amount of margin, in fact. Uh, it, it, no one has ever said that. Like, I just, I, you know, I'm just worried I'm not gonna have enough to do this week. No one has ever said that. What does it sound because if you do, our fear is if I were to ever say something like that in our culture, that the fear would be that you would sound like you aren't very smart or you aren't very important or that nobody wants to be with you or just that you're flat out lazy. And so we would never wanna say, oh man, I don't have much going on. I have so much time. We, I'm so rested. I have such good balance and rhythm. I said no to so many things this week. No one's ever said that. Why? Because it sounds like, well, what? Nobody wants you on their team? What are you like, lazy? What are you like, unimportant? What's, what's the more realistic answer? Somebody says, hey, I'd love to have coffee or lunch, but my next opening is like three weeks from now and you better jump in on that quick because my calendar fills up really fast because a lot of people want my time and a lot of people want my attention and I have to be a lot of places because I'm kind of a big deal. 
That's more the reality. That's, that's the reality of what we feel. I think that's the conversation. And you wouldn't say it out loud, but it's why I'm just so busy and I got all the things and, and we got to take the kids. And I don't know if you know, but she's in this and he's in this and she's accomplishing this. And I tell you about my daughter and, and my son and my, and my neighbor and, and I'm now leading this and I'm now leading this. Why? We are constantly trying to convince the world around us and I'm not convinced that we're not trying to convince ourselves that we actually are important, that we matter. Why does this happen? Because we are trying to feel this desire to feel important. We're trying to fill this desire to find value or meaning or worth. And, and I would just love for this to be a great time to remind ourselves that your value is not found in what you do. Your value is found in who you are to God. My value to my kids, my daughter, my value to my daughter is not on how busy or important I am to other people. She doesn't care. My value to her is that I'm there and I'm present. And aren't you glad God is that way with us, that he's not too busy for us, but he's present. So I believe that the, the first one, and many of you, I think you're already ready to pray. It's like, that's me. Like, I'm just, I wanna feel important. Well, there's a better way than just being busy. But I believe there's a second reason. And I think this one is, this is where, this is where I feel like God wants to drill down. It's why we're gonna have part two of this conversation next week. Number two is this, if we slow down, then we're gonna have to start being honest with what's going on in our lives. If I slow down, I'm gonna have to start to have thoughts come to my mind. I'm gonna be reminded of conversations with my wife or my kids. I'm gonna have emotions flood. I'm gonna have regret and shame from the past come in. If I slow down enough, things are gonna come into my brain and into my heart and into my feels, and I will not be able to handle it. And I believe that the reality is that busyness has become our business and chaos has become our medication. Chaos has become our medication. Why? Because I can ignore the broken places in my life if I stay really, really busy. And I believe busyness is perhaps the greatest medication of American brokenness. I don't have time to sit with the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to sit with the scriptures in front of me and allow the work of God to do its work in my heart and in my life. I don't have an opportunity to let the text jump off the page into my heart, revealing things where I can actually experience the transformation that comes from just applying God's word. And so what do we do? We give God a passing glance. We shoot up a scripture in the morning. I show up to church exhausted. I run to the parking lot so I can get to the next thing in my busy schedule because by golly, I, people like me and I am important because if I slow down for even a minute and I stop and look in the mirror, I'm afraid that I'm not going to like what I see. I'm not going to like what I feel or what thoughts start entering into my head. And so what's the remedy? I ignore it altogether by staying really, really busy. Well, can I just give you some, some, a picture of what this looks like? It's this. We try to walk this pace and we get married and then we do our thing but then we have kids, we had a job and we wanna be important and we meet somebody and we have an opportunity to make a connection and we just do our little pace thing and all of a sudden life's going good and I got involved in the church and that's good. Oh, and I got a promotion and I need to do these extra things I don't need to, but if I'm gonna excel at my work, I need to do this thing so my people start to like me and all of a sudden life is getting really fast and, and it happens so slowly. I don't know how I went from like a walk to a jog, um, but the kids got older and now instead of being one thing, they're all in three things and there's too many of them, but church is asking more of me and, and when I read the scripture, I feel like I need to do more and, and after all, I'm constantly feeling guilty and many of our lives are starting to feel like we got this thing going and I, I don't know how long I can do this and we just go and we go and we go and we go until most of us, until we just fall off the treadmill and it all falls apart and the marriage is done and the kids are done and you can't work at your job anymore, why? Because without recognizing it, we never accepted God's pace in our lives. A question I asked at the beginning of this, is the pace of your life keeping God's peace out of your life? Well, can I close with some really good news? Jesus offers something way better than what I just described. In Matthew chapter 11, here's what he says. Come to me. Come to me, come to Jesus, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Can I ask you a question? Is that a promise or a suggestion? He's gonna give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary, who are broken down, and he will give rest 
to your soul. You know what Jesus is offering? You know what his invitation and his promises? Let me be the first option when you are tired and when you are exhausted. Let me, Jesus says, don't fill your life with busyness. Don't avoid those feelings. I'm bringing some stuff up on purpose because I wanna heal your marriage. I wanna heal your past. I want you to, I wanna help you forgive your mom from 40 years ago and you continue to avoid the pain of that because it's just too much. Come to me and I will help you find rest, a rest you cannot find anywhere here on earth. And then he goes further. I love the next two verses. He says, and take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. I love that invitation. He says, take my yoke upon you. And then he says, learn from me. Well, what are two ways you learn from somebody? Number one, we listen to what they say. And number two, we pay attention to what they do. So Jesus is inviting us to watch how I lived and listen to what I say. And then the, the, the imagery he uses here is so fascinating. And, and, and I don't have time to get into all of it, but he says, the, the, the secret is, he says, take my yoke upon. Some of us, we have been taking the yoke of the world and more and more, and I have to feel important. I wanna feel busy. I need to do what I need to accomplish. I need to go because after all, my worth is in all how busy I am and what I do. And I don't wanna have to face the feelings of the past. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't take that yoke. Take my yoke. See, a yoke was a, a piece of machinery back in the day. And many of you probably know this, but it was, it was the, the yoke is what they put on the oxen and the yoke set the pace for all the oxen. And it was, you would have two oxen right next to each other and they would be put together. And Jesus is saying, why don't you link, link your life with mine? Shoulder to shoulder, let me set your pace. And it makes sure, the yoke makes sure that they have to walk together. And so if you wanna go really fast, but you're, you're yoked to Jesus, he'll slow you down in a pace that is sustainable, that you can experience the pace of grace, not the pace of chaos. The other thing a yoke does is it doesn't just, uh, it doesn't just um, put you right next to Jesus or it doesn't um, set your pace, but it actually distributes the weight. So one oxen doesn't have to pull all the stuff behind it. It doesn't have to do all the work of pulling everything behind it. And what Jesus is saying is, yoke your life with mine, shoulder to shoulder. Why don't you take my pace and why don't you let me carry the weight? It's my pace, it's my weight. And when we do this, Jesus says, I will carry your stress. I will work through your pain. I will heal your wounds. And it might take more than a minute, but if you go shoulder to shoulder to me, then you don't have to worry and you don't have to burden. I'm gonna carry that because he finishes with verse 30, which I love. And he says this, for my yoke, by the way, my yoke is easy. My pace is different. My burden is light. My value system, what he's saying is my pace is different than the world and my value system is not on what you can do and what you can produce and come on, let's go. It's not about the life treadmill. He's saying it's about rhythms. It's about a pace that you can go and where you can be fulfilled and you can feel sustained and you don't need a vacation or a sabbatical just so that you can survive or survive your marriage or make it one more year, but you can actually get rest for your soul. And he says it again, my yoke. It's like him shouting or pleading. So I close with this thought. And we have, a, a, I, I, I think, a creative way to end this, this service this weekend. So here's my thought. What if the greatest sickness in our country right now isn't COVID-19, but it's hurry sickness? What if in his divine providence, God is using this pause, this moment, this time to say your greatest sickness, your greatest problem is not the pause. It's not a virus. It's actually this hurry sickness that I had a cardiologist help you understand 70 years ago and we, our culture has just ignored it. And what if this isn't just, oh, it's a great, great reminder, Pastor. What if God is literally stopping history to change our pace? Because the mastermind is all about changing the way you think or changing your perspective. Well, what we learn is when you change your pace and you change your place, you change your perspective. What if this time isn't just about tweaking our lives, but what if it is a makeover? What if it's about reevaluating how many things the kids are in and how many things you say yes to and all the good things and the pace? And what if God isn't asking us to look a little different than the pace or the culture of the world? But what if he's saying, I have something so much, my yoke, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Because some of us work and producing has become our, our God and busyness has become our badge of honor. 
and your worth has been wrapped up, wrapped up in your busyness. And what if God wants you to sit with him enough to have to experience some things so that he can take the, the junk, he can take the shame, he can take the insecurity and the fear and the stuff you don't like about yourself and you can give it to him and have a moment where you literally experience, you don't hear about from a pastor on a screen, but you experience because you're sitting in his love. It's what Pastor Joseph was talking about this week in our devotional about digging your own well and drawing from it and experiencing him on your own. What if that's what this time is about? And so this is just part one, and we'll revisit, a, a, highlight a couple things, but this is just part one of, I just believe that God profoundly wants to stop and say, I hope that some of you are so uncomfortable, so caught off guard that the position of your soul is like, you felt like you just got hit by Mike Tyson or something. I don't know, that, but in the best way that God is going, I, you're gonna do more than just listen to a service this week. And so this week, what do I want us to do with this? I want us just to allow to create some space and see if we can start some conversations with God, conversations with those close to us, and really allow God to minister to us, where busyness isn't our God, where we're not getting busy to find worth, or we're not getting busy to avoid pain or shame or past. And what if God wants to have a whole different conversation about what the pace of our life is like? And so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna toss it back to the host, and they're gonna close in just a second, but please stay on here because here's why. We saved one more song for the end, and I'm not gonna call it a worship song. It's a benediction, and in fact, it's called The Blessing. It's new, you've probably heard it uh, from Carrie Job and Elevation, and, and it came right before this time, and I believe it was a profound timing. And so I don't call it a worship song because it's not. It, we're not meaning for it to glorify God, so I don't want you to stand. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to sing. What I would love for you to do when the host closes out is will you just, in the crazy pace of all the things we gotta do, Will you sit for six minutes? Will you just sit? Will you let God bring some things to the surface? Will you let him speak to your soul? Will you review your notes? Will you just have a moment to linger in his presence? We wanted to create that for you at the end of this. Before we do, I wanna say this. I said earlier, you might be here because you're just discovering or you're just looking. Can I tell you that Jesus came and he lived perfect and he died? And he took all of the sin and all the mistakes everybody has ever made on them. And he rose again from the grave. And the Bible says anybody who believes that God sent him and that he died for us, we can be saved and we can have a personal relationship with God and all of our past and all of our mistakes that are already taken care of and we can be right with God. And if you've never done that, you've never said that prayer, as, as we're closing, you can click the banner that just says, I want to receive Jesus in my life. We'll send you a form. Our host can connect with you. We want to get some resources. Maybe you're still in discovery mode and next week you want to come back and see this. And so I'm gonna close with a very quick prayer. But please stay on. They're gonna close this really quick, but please stay on and just sit and linger in the presence of God for five or six minutes to see what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you as we continue this uh, conversation uh, next week. God, I pray that just your word would fall on good ears, good hearts. God, that this would root itself in our heart and it would start to really, really um, produce fruit. That God, that we wouldn't just hear this and, and it go in one ear and out the other, but God, that we would really, really ask ourselves, what are you wanting to say to us? I thank you that your word is always alive, but God, I believe that this is a now word for your church. And so God, I thank you for just the opportunity for us, not just to hear your word, but to take the next few moments and sit in your presence. We give you permission to speak, to heal, to let us feel, to let us remember. God, would you just embrace us with your presence? May we experience your love and your presence on a whole new level like never before in these next few moments as we receive just our worship team praying blessings and benedictions over us just like your presence and your love wants to reign over us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Corey, for that amazing message on God's plan for our life's rhythms and pace. He talked about walking Jesus' rhythm, and the best way to get started doing that is by beginning a relationship with Jesus today. During the next song, you will see a banner on the bottom of the screen that will give you an opportunity to let us know that today you are starting or restarting a relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're watching on Church Online, simply click the banner or you can text Cape Yes to 555-888. We'll be sending you a short form to fill out so that we can send you more information and help you walk through this next new season of your life. As we get ready to close out this week's service, remember, we are your church and we're here for you. To find out everything that we have during the week, go to capechristian.com and click the link, Everything Cape Christian Online. Now keep yourself in a place to hear and receive God as the worship team shares the blessing with you. Mm -hmm.
Side. 